0: I'm going to read a couple of verses, just a couple of verses. This could be the litmus test. It's, I'm going to read it quickly from the King James English in the 7th verse. Um, well, actually I'll back it up probably to the 6th verse, but I'll bring clarity to you uh, in the Amplified Bible for a moment of time. Well, I keep backing up. I didn't give them Scripture verses because I'm just going with the flow today. Whatever, whatever I feel led to go, I'm going. Whoso, fourth verse, whosoever committeth sin transgresses the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. John's just simply telling you that if you commit sin, you're transgressing the law. And what is sin? It's when you, uh, again, you break the law. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Thank God he was manifested to take away our sin. Not his own, but our sins. He carried them to the tree. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Do you abide in Jesus? How do you abide in Jesus? By faith. By believing in Christ. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him. I know you're thinking, God, pastor, I sinned this morning. Let me bring some clarity to you in just a moment of time. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this, here's the litmus test. In this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So John just kindly settles it to this right here. You're either saved or unsaved. You're either a a child of God or you're a child of the devil, right? You're either a servant of righteousness or a servant of unrighteousness. It's pretty much it in the nutshell. Just kind of as narrowing as he can be, he puts us in the place where here it is. You're either genuinely, authentically born again and Christ is working in your life and you have a desire to follow God or you don't know God. Even though you may go through the motions of religion, you can go through the motions of religion and your heart still be separated from the Father. Now, let me read to you just a little bit of clarity, just backing it up uh, once again to the, uh, in the Amplified Bible. And I'll just go ahead and pick it up somewhere along the fifth verse. You know that he appeared in visible form as a man, being Christ, in order to take away sins. And in him, there is absolutely no sin For he is neither the sin nature nor has he committed sin or acts worthy of blame. Now listen, no one who abides in him, who remains united in fellowship with him deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. Now all of a sudden clarity is coming. Because yes, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that even as believers, there are times that we still yield and we have yielded to the desires of our flesh and we have sinned it. We have sinned, excuse me. But here John is saying really the key is, is it habitual sin? Are you living in habitual sin? Knowing that what you're doing is sinning against God. Because if you are knowing what you're doing is sinning against God and you are continually living in it, then it's probably a reflection that the light of God is not working in your heart. That you're just caught in a trap, a trap of religion. Now listen, do not let anyone lead you astray. Listen to what he said. The one who practices righteousness... The one who strives to live a consistent and honorable life in practice as well as in public to conform to God's precepts is righteous just as he is righteous. Now, let me clarify that for you. John is not saying, even in the Amplified Bible, he's not saying that if you practice righteous, you'll be made righteous. What he's saying is that your practice of righteousness comes forth from the fact that you were made righteous when you put your faith in Christ, right? That's the fruit of your faith. That because you love God, because you've accepted the redemptive work of Christ on the cross, now whether in private or in public, you are practicing righteousness. Let me go a little bit farther. And uh, the one who practices, 8th verse, the one who practices sin, separating himself from God and offending him by acts of disobedience, indifference, or rebellion is of the devil and takes his inner character and moral values from him, not from God. For the devil has sinned and violated God's law from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. Now listen, no one who is born of God deliberately, knowingly, and habitually practices sin. If you're truly born of God, there's a desire in you to please God. Come on, if you are absent, if, if in your heart, when we were praying a moment ago, if there is not a desire in you to please God, conforming your life to the will of God, bending your, de- your desires, bending your uh, the, the, the affections, giving yourself over to Him, and that desire is absent in your heart, then you've not been born of God. You're not God's offspring. I believe that's a, a clarification in the context of a litmus test. Let me read this further to conclude this. Uh, in the essence of his righteous character remains permanently in him who is born again who is reborn from above who is spiritually transformed renewed and set apart and he who is born again cannot habitually live a life characterized by sin why because he's born of god because you are born of god and you long to please him in essence i'm not saying that you have not sinned after you've been saved or that you won't sin transgress the law Uh, even after you've been born again. I'm saying is that if you do, the Holy Spirit's going to convict you of your sin. You're going to receive that conviction and respond to it, the repentance. Why? Because you love God, because you're born of God. But if you live a continual life of sin and separation from God in that sense of transgression of what is right and wrong transgression of the law transgression of the commandments of God that's an indicator to you that you have not been truly born by the power of the Holy Spirit does that make sense right and lastly John said these words here again by this the children of God and the children of the devil are clearly identified if you anyone who does not practice righteousness who does not seek God's will and thought action and purpose is not of God nor is the one who does not unselfishly love his, uh, his believing brother. So here's the reality. Sinners are not just uh, people that are in the world, so to speak, but there are a lot of people that attend church on a regular basis that have never been born again. There are pastors today with robes, clergy robes on, documents on their wall signifying the degrees that they have earned in the seminary. And they're preaching to congregations, and they have not received of the Holy Spirit, and they're not born again so having an outward appearance, it, it does not identify or reveal what the actual work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Amen. Amen church family so it's a litmus test well this past week when we were concluding in the process of including our Wednesday evening teaching uh, as it related as it's relating to uh, a passage of scripture or passages of scripture of jesus's relationship with the infamous pharisees of the gospels i shared with you just real quickly and we're looking at it from a little bit different angle but the reality is jesus did reserve some of his strongest reproof for the pharisees right and the pharisees were a sect within judaism that were separated separated from uh mainstream judaism initially out of a pure heart a pure motive to live a life free from the world's influence but it evolved to the degree that by the time of jesus there was something that was common in the pharisees jesus reproved them on multiple occasions we're going to only look at one here today but on multiple occasions and in one occasion which is in matthew chapter 23 in seven verses in the chapter we're not going to go there but in Matthew chapter 23 you find some of the strongest reproof that we see in Jesus' teaching for the Pharisees and he uses a word that is familiar to us it's hypocrisy hypocrite he even said this woe unto you scribes Pharisees hypocrites usually attaching hypocrite to the scribes and the Pharisees Strong reproof, seven verses using the word hypocrite. I'm gonna pick up another passage though where it's reproof, and that'll be probably the, the last passage that i have you turn to, but we're gonna to turn to Mark chapter number seven, and we're gonna read uh, again a reproof by Jesus. And we're gonna just kind of let expound this for just a few moments here today. And I won't preach long, I promise. Verse 1, 7th chapter. Then came together unto him the Pharisees, and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem now remember when the Pharisees would come to Jesus they would be in the appearance of Judaism what that would mean is they would have on all the garb that you and I would associate with the look of one that was connected to either the temple or to Judaism they would most often have a certain robe that identified them religiously they would often have a prayer shawl a tallit that you might see me praying under Jojo praying under a Hebrew prayer shawl they might have tassels that are tied to their garment they might have uh certain things that are associated to judaism that and and even jesus reproved them in the sermon of the mount because they wore certain robes they wanted to be seen of men and so that, that it was easy to identify them and so they came together and they and they there with jesus and says when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled in their perception that is to say with unwashed hands they found fault now the reality is jesus's disciples were not breaking the law of moses but they were breaking the perceived oral tradition of the Pharisees that they believed were given by Moses, that they had to to eat with washing hands. Now, they might be in an area where there's not any running water, and so they're just simply eating grain or eating their meal with unwashing hands. Now, here Mark clarifies, for the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands often, they don't eat, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they will not eat. And many other things there they do, which they have received to hold, the washing of cups, pots, brazen vessels, and tables. And then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, why not? So they put Jesus on the spot, and they said, Why don't you and your disciples walk according to the traditions of the elders? But you eat bread with unwashed hands. And I think this had to be one of those moments where, with Jesus where something kind of snapped in him, because we know that he was uh very uh the bible says that a a smoking flax he would not quench or a bruised reed he would not break how many of you know jesus was very gentle to most people he was very kind a woman was caught in adultery people were wanting to stone her and he kind of just gathered her in isn't that right he was kind and gracious but every now and then he could be pushed and so can you and so can the church. And, and every now and then he was pushed in this moment. And they pushed in. And it seems like in doing so they frustrated him to the degree that he kind of responded. I don't want to say lashed out. But he did respond and to a degree um, perhaps even with anger. And he answered them because it was not beyond Jesus to get angry. Right? There were times that he just got frustrated and aggravated and angry with uh, the, the culture of hypocrisy. And so he reproves them and he says, Isaiah prophesied of you. Hypocrites. So he's not calling them Pharisees here. He's not calling them religious leaders or scribes or teachers of the law or the teachers of Moses or the maintainers of the covenant promises of Israel. He's not teaching them. A, he's not calling them synagogue leaders or pastors or reverend. Or he's not saying anything like that. He's simply saying, "You hypocrites, you hypocrites." And he said, "Why? Because Isaiah prophesied that you will honor me with your lips." Once again, let's go back to that litmus test. You will honor me with your lips, but your heart will be far from me. It's not enough to say you love God. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? It's not enough to sing the worship song, stand when the preacher says stand. It's whether your heart is right before God. How be it in vain, look at this, in vain they worship me because they teach for doctrine the commandments of men. And they lay aside the commandment of God. They move aside the commandment of God. And they hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other like things that they do. Look at the ninth verse, last verse. You reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. Now, many in the church and many even in the world who have a perception that they're saved, but they're perhaps not really genuinely saved. Uh, they have their own tradition. It may differ from the Pharisees. The Pharisees washed and went through all these motions that they believed were important according to the Mosaic law. But I tell you, there are a lot of people that have their own traditions, and those traditions can become a stumbling block to you from having authentic faith. you got to be very careful to not put your faith in the traditions of men, but rather in the Word of God, right? right? you got to put your faith in what Jesus said, the authoritative Word of God. Well, the reality is, is that there is a lot of hypocrisy that takes place in the church, outside of the church. Let me go a little bit further. Did you know often the number one reason, or if it's not number one, it's high on the list of uh, either unbelievers or those that have a perception that they're saved when I don't necessarily believe that they really are why that they won't come to church? is because they'll say, well, the church is nothing but a bunch of hypocrites, right? You've heard that. You tried to witness to people. I want you to come. I want to invite you out. Pastor Brown, man, we got the greatest pastor in all of Hebrews, you, you know, and JoJo, the greatest youth pastor and worship team. You got, you know, and you're, you're, doing every, you're selling us out. I mean, you're just trying to sell us out. Come to our church, and they're like, well, I would come, but, but there's a bunch of hypocrites in that church. Well, you know what? That's yes and no. You'll learn a little bit more about how come I said yes to that in just a few moments here today. But when I shared on Wednesday night, I went ahead and brought a little bit of revelation to people that are unfamiliar where the word hypocrite actually originated in the Greek. And it originated in the Greek from the development of the culture, the Grecian culture, even that had penetrated deeply into Israel at this time. And it comes from the stage, the theater, the theatrical performance of the Greeks that originally was just one lonesome actor on the stage eventually developed into three but many times each individual actor would play multiple parts or multiple roles and uh, and in doing so what he would do is he would put on a mask he would put on a a stage mask now i went to get a mask like that from walmart and dollar general but being Halloween, you would think that you would have the old-fashioned just little pull mask. You know, remember the mask that you would wear it had that little elastic and you'd pull up behind somebody and pull their mask and pop the back of their head with that elastic because I've done that in the past. I couldn't find anything other than Jason's mask and Satan mask and demon mask. There wasn't no Wonder Woman or Superman or anything like that. So the best I could give you was a little modified Lone Ranger mask here. That's the best I can give you real quickly, So, If I don't have to read any scripture, I might be able to preach with, uh, wearing the mask. But, but the reality is a lot of people wear a mask when they come to the church. And, and, and let me tell you a little bit about the mask from days gone by. Uh, again, for, for the role-playing here. The actual word in Greek is hypocrite. It's translated hypocrite. That was a common reference to an actor in a stage on a stage at the time of Jesus. So everybody understood the word when he said it that he said, what you're doing is you're you're redefining your role to appease the people group that you're around. You're saying one thing. He actually said that in Matthew's gospel. He said, you're saying one thing, and you're doing something altogether different. So you're honoring me with your lips. You're honoring me. You're saying that you love God, but then when the lights go out, you act altogether different. So Jesus used the strong word of saying, that makes you a hypocrite. Well, the reality is there is a lot of hypocrisy. I'm not going to I'm not going to disagree with that person that you've reached out to that has said I would come to church, but there's just a lot of hypocrites in the church. Well, but I'm I agree there is some hypocrisy, but 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 it's not always the angle or the type of hypocrisy that you have a perception of. And I'm going to try to bring a little bit of clarity to you without spending a lot of time on it here today. But the reality is is that even that person that you are talking to they themselves oftentimes have a life filled with hypocrisy because they've evolved into their own tradition as well. They've got a perception of God. They're not an atheist. They're not saying there is no God, but they're saying, I don't need your Bible. I don't need your church because I'm going to evolve or develop. I'm going to develop my own worship before God, a worship that is not consistent with his word, not consistent with the knowledge of God that doesn't walk in harmony. So to a degree, there's hypocrisy in their own lives as well. Let me go just a little bit further. I better take those off and I'll switch. The Y'all know the point now. I don't have to preach like the Lone Ranger, right? Let me go a little bit further here today for just a moment of time to, to, to clarify some things real quickly. You know, I see some hypocrisy that's starting to mount in our culture and certain things. I'll mention real quickly. You know, we are in the midst of the craziest election that you've ever seen in your lifetime. Now, I can't say it's the craziest election historically in the United States because if you trace the election, there's been some wacky things that have gone on. There was a time that one of our presidents died because he was in an argument with somebody and he chose to just settle it by duel, go outside. Sometimes I wouldn't care if those two just went ahead and just said, (laughs) get the musket back to back just go ahead and be done with it. You know, I say that respectfully and I say that (laughs) jestfully, jestfully. Right, but with, let me say this real quickly: there is such hypocrisy from both of those candidates. Everybody knows that to be the case, right? Let me give you an example. You know, I've, I've, I have a clear conviction. I tell you, I have voted Republican because of the of the two moral issues, primarily. You've heard me share it. I don't hide it from there. But you know, Donald Trump didn't need the evangelicals until he's running for president, and now he's reading from the Book of 2 Corinthians. And then now, but God, we all know that Hillary's been a hypocrite longer than I've been born alive, right? And it's only getting worse, right? So we know there's hypocrisy in the political arena, right, where politicians say one thing to gain your support, but then they go and they do something else. But let me go a little bit further, some things that I'm seeing also in the context of the church. Paul warned of a form of godliness, a form of godliness would mean you look religious, and sometimes you act religious, and sometimes you, do, you go all through the motions. You can, you're consistently involved in fellowship. You're consistently uh, involved in a church. To the outside observer, it looks like you're saved, but on the inside, you may not possess genuine faith in Christ because even John said, if you can't love your brother, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? If there's hatred and malice and bitterness and animosity in your heart towards your brother, then the Bible says that no murderer has eternal life abiding on the inside of him. So it doesn't matter how many Hail Marys that you have or how many rosary beads you count or how many times or how many churches that you were baptized in their baptism tank. If there's such evil in your heart, that's a litmus test to you that you've got the mask. You've got a form of godliness, but you're not truly saved because when you truly get saved, then you're going to learn to forgive. You're going to learn to release. You're not going to carry that malice or unforgiveness or that hardness in your heart to even people that have harmed you or hurt you because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So yes, there is some hypocrisy in that context, but here's another one that I'm seeing a lot of in the, in the church today, and I'm going to be honest, I'm going to own up that there is some hypocrisy in the church. This is the reality. There are those that are caught up in being a part of the cool Christian movement, and there's a, always a part of the church that's cool. What I mean by that is it's kind of uh, reached a place where it's, it's, it's accepted in our culture to a degree. And there's a little bit of, um, there's just a little bit of an entertainment element to it. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And there's a certain look. And there's a certain attire, and there's a certain sound, and you bought the T-shirt, and you occasionally went to the revival, and you got the WWJD bracelet, and you're doing all this, and occasionally you go to the youth group service, occasionally you go here or there, and but at, but the reality is, are you building? Are you building your life around the redemptive work of Christ? Are you yielding your heart to the Holy Spirit? Are, remember what the litmus test? It's not enough to just say one thing. It's a reflection in your heart. If you really love god then you're not living a life of habitual sin there's a lot of motion and activity in the contemporary christian church in the cool aspect of of just going and doing all of these things while there's a lot of men and women especially young adults that they're not yielding their heart to christ well i hate to tell you this but that makes you a hypocrite you got the mask on you're doing all this you're singing all these songs you're going through the motions But deep inside your heart, you're not bending your will. You know when Christ is at the throne of your heart? Do you know when you bend your will to his will? When you say, God, not my will, but thy will be done. I'm going to do this, Father, not because I want to do it. Jesus in the garden he didn't want to take the cross on his shoulder he didn't want to spill his blood on the cross he didn't want to have a cat of uh, nine tails to put on his back he didn't want a crown of thorns pierced on his brow he didn't want a Roman soldier's spear to pierce his side or nails to pierce his hands and his feet he knew of the trauma and the pain and the sorrow he didn't want to but in the garden he bowed his will to the will of the father and said father not my will but thy will be done and we've got to raise up a generation that comes to the awareness that if you can't pray that prayer and you're not not yielding your life i'm telling you that's a reflection of the fact that you've not received of the holy spirit in your heart and life and so you don't have authentic christianity but you got the mask of cool christianity on and i want to challenge you and i didn't come to condemn you i didn't come to beat you up and back you into a corner i came to love you enough to tell you the truth take the mask off get saved come on come to the cross Come to the blood-stained cross of Calvary. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. Recognize that he loved you so much that if you had been the only one, he would have died for you. He would have died for you on that cross. But I also see some in the Christian church that profess faith in Christ. They profess, and this may not be in church. This might be that brother that you were, or that man or that woman that you've been inviting to church. They profess faith in Christ, but in works, they deny him. They, the Bible uses this word, disobedient to every good work. You know, they're saying, well, I believe in God. I, I'm trusting. I believe in God, but I don't need church. I'm telling you, when you hear somebody say, I don't need church, then most often that's a reflection. Because I'm going to be honest. I've been in this for a long, long time, and I need the body of Christ. Matter of fact, the hand can't say. See, and what he's saying when he says, I don't need the church, he's saying, I don't need you. But see, that's against the, 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 the true revelation of the word of God. Because I do need you. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of thee. The arm cannot say to the foot, I have no need of thee. Come on, we are many members of one body, right? And we have need of one another. And when one member hurts, we all hurt. And when one member rejoices, we all rejoice, right? So why can't we just get the mask off and say, I really need one another. And I need to be vulnerable before God and vulnerable before you. And open and expose my heart to God where I can find true healing and true redemption. And I could go on and on and on with a list similar to this of uh, men and women that come even to church or those that, refuse, that choose not to come to church, but by their own tradition, they're making the word of God of none effect by their own. Now, remember, let me show you the contrast before I close. Going back to Jesus' reproof of the Pharisees, the Pharisees had their tradition washing their hands, going through ritual bathing, and all of that, Jesus reproved them and said, you're making the word of God of none effect. Well, we've got people that have their own traditions. You know, I don't need the church. I can just worship God right here. I can do all these. And they've established their own belief system, right? And in doing so, they are honoring God with their lips, but their heart is far from him. And in works, they're denying the Lord. That makes them the person that's saying they won't come to you, come to church with you, because they're saying there's a bunch of hypocrites here. The next time they do... You need to let them know they got a mask on too. But I'm going to close with these thoughts real quickly. But I thought a little further about this. And I promise I wouldn't preach a long time unless I'd be a hypocrite. <laughs> I thought a little bit further about what. Aaron, join me as we close, if you would, please. But, you know, I made this statement. I started, and I'm right at 30 minutes. And I'm, I'm certainly this is my last thought. I'm just, I promise you I wouldn't preach long. You know I can't. So, I mean, I don't have to show that to confirm the authenticity of my pastorship, right? Right, okay. So, let me just say this real quickly is, you know, as I contemplated in this vein for just a few moments, and I was, I was stirred by our study on Wednesday night and the thought ran in my mind of of dealing with hypocrisy, and especially, can I say this so respectfully? Sometimes I lack the vocabulary to say it adequately. I do get grieved a little bit about those that are caught up on the, Cool Christian movement. There's a little part of the church that's become cool, and maybe we would make church all about being cool and the look. And you got to have the right lighting. You got to have the. I mean, I am because I have a tie. I'm old fashioned, you know. And I, I wear a tie because I like to wear a tie. I don't see. I would be a hypocrite if I came out here in skinny jeans, <laughs> pointy shoes, t-shirt. Why? Why would I be a hypocrite? Because that's not me. That's not me. So I I don't wear it because I don't want to wear it. So rather than to try to appease you, I'll just look like me. Today I'm the man in black. Usually it's the man in khakis. Doesn't matter. You know what? But I'm not going to play a game. Even a, you say, well, yeah, the, the, the youth movement in the church is huge. And what I mean, I don't mean JoJo's youth group. I'm talking about the young adult movement. huge huge and it's growing and we need it to grow right it's growing but we're still losing a lot to the world so a lot of people are trying to make the church real cool to appeal well i can't base this church on being cool right and you don't need to be a part of a church because you think it's cool right you don't need to you need to be a part of a church because you see what jesus did on the cross. And there's a wrenching in your heart when you think about the blood that he spilled and the life that he gave. And you want to be a part of a kingdom of God that's growing in the earth. But be careful, young adult. Be careful, young adult, that you've got the next Hillsong CD. Or you've got Bethel worship. Or you've got elevation worship going on your radio. But all the while, you're living a lifestyle that's contrary to... To the thing that you're supposedly professing. That makes you, I say this with all respect, that makes you a hypocrite. Turn your heart to Jesus. Turn your heart to Jesus. Make a decision. But you know, I thought about others that come to church that are hypocrites. There are some hypocrites. JoJo's already ministered to some hypocrites today. What are those hypocrites? I'll tell you what those are. They put on the mask that they're happy, and they're joyful, and they smile, and everything is great, and oh, all is well. But deep inside, they're hurting, they're wounded, they've been scarred, they've been cut. They're dealing with a tough situation. They're dealing with a wayward child. Something happened at work. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And they, they, they don't want to look out of place. Everybody around them seems so happy. So they act all happy while on the inside. Now, these are genuinely born-again believers in Christ. That I'm not saying their hypocrisy is a form of godliness. I'm saying in this moment, their hypocrisy is they've got a mask because they want to be perceived as that everything is going good in their life and everything is right and everything is joyful when really there's a wound that needs to be healed, Right? And you know what? Sometimes the first step towards healing in your life is just to take the courage to lift the mask off. Lift the mask off and become vulnerable before God. In my heart of hearts, I believe that was happening a few moments ago. The Holy Spirit was moving in this house. And there were some people that in worship, in the the motion of worship, as they raised their hands, they were lifting off the mask. And they were saying, God, I'm just going to expose my heart to yours because you are. You know one thing I learned, church family? Why do we try to hide anything from God in the first place? Why do we try to put on a mask, even if the mask is act all joyful when I'm really hurting, wounded inside? You know, your father already knows every thought, every emotion. So you can say one thing and then feel something entirely different. And we, you can fool all of us, but you can't fool God. And I want you to know today, you're in a healing house today. This is not a theatrical house. This is not a house of theater. This is a house of healing today. And God's a healer, and he wants to mend you if you've got a broken heart. If you've got so you can be vulnerable in God's eyes and in our eyes here today and allow the Lord, to, by his grace, to minister to you in a very special way. You know, us pastors at times, we have a moment of hypocrisy. You know what our moment is? Sometimes we get on the stage and we act like we are so confident We got it all together, Roger, and we know everything that's going on. And and the reality is sometimes that's just a mask. When we're uncertain and we're fearful and we're lacking direction, you know what? I'm going to be vulnerable. I chose to be vulnerable to you today. I chose to start this message with the mask off. Say, I don't have this great theological message for you. I'm just being honest. This is where I'm at. This is what God's done in my heart. This is where I felt lack. This is where I felt like I didn't reach it. I didn't quite make it. But I'm just going to trust the Lord. Would y'all stand up with me today? Listen, I know it's after 12 o'clock today. But for just a couple moments more, I'm going to give a couple of invitations. And I want to ask you to pray with me. I want to ask you to pray. And let's do something here in this house for just a moment. Our heads are bowed and our eyes closed for a moment. And I feel led of the Lord to just give this invitation. There might be somebody here that under the sound of my voice as i preached talked to you about this subject of hypocrisy. The Holy Spirit began to work on your heart. Because you're saying one thing and doing something altogether different. And I'm not saying what you're doing is causing you to be unsaved because that's not the way things work. I'm saying it could be a reflection That you're not genuinely saved. And you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You need to surrender your heart and life to him. John said, by this we know that we're children of God when we practice righteousness. When we walk in righteousness, we walk in his grace, we walk in his love. I didn't say you're sinless in the sense that there's not issues that you're dealing with. But your heart is set before God to search after him and to change your ways. And so as our heads are bowed and our eyes closed, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that would say, Pastor, you know, you're preaching to me today. Today, I want to make a decision that I want to truly know Christ as my Savior and my Lord. Pastor, would you pray with me? Because today... I'm going to go beyond. I'm going to take the mask off. I'm going to submit myself to God. I'm going to humble myself before him. And I'm going to receive of his grace in my life so that I can be a part of the family of God that you read about. Is there anyone here today that says, Pastor, I see that hand there. Is there anyone else in this room today? Thank you. I see that hand today. Thank you. Thank you. Three people have raised their hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? It says, Today, this be my day today. Anyone? Come on, young. Oh do like any person male or female